Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Well, good morning from the Pacific Northwest coast of the United States, great state of Oregon. It is Tuesday, July 25. Okay, anyway, welcome to the broadcast. I am Steve Schultz, along, a founder, along with my wife, of both the ElijahList.com and Elijah Streams. Um, the, the Elijah List is where often, if there's a, a prophetic word given on the air, if we have the transcription of that, it'll go out on the list. But if you, Or you can watch it back on the streams. And then there are other prophecies that go out on the list as well. All of, both, both of them are free all the way through. So anyway, welcome to the broadcast. Anyway, we're going to bring Roger Stone on here in just a moment. Uh, but before we do that, I want to run a This Happened for you. Uh, now, Robin Bullock called me um, on Sunday. Excuse me for a minute. He called me on Sunday because uh, he likes to tell me about words that just came and they came forth on Sunday. And he'll, he'll say, no sooner did I say this. And someone came right, running up and said there was an article on that yesterday that he didn't know. And so that kind of thing happens all the time for all prophetic people that when they give a word, then people run up to them from the church and they'll say, did you know this was on, that this is coming forth? And, and in most cases they'll say, no, I didn't know that. Sometimes someone might say, I didn't know it, but I didn't know that kind of detail. And I prophesied the detail. So I'm gonna tell you kind of what I'm about to play this clip for you, about three minute clip. Robin Bullock uh, had prophesied that there's gonna be two Bibles. And then uh, we've given you a couple clips uh, and news stories to 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 follow with when Robin's talking about the two Bibles. And one time he mentions chat uh, GTP and artificial intelligence or AI uh, creating a Bible, uh, a new Bible. And then uh, on another time on Sunday, last Sunday, he talked about China's writing a Bible, a replacement Bible. So what happens is the word of the Lord is there's going to be two Bibles. And then the prophet will then begin to both interpret or explain that some people have told him this and that. So people will say, well, what part was the prophecy? Well, probably, you know, you usually have to watch it to know the context to feel uh, or sense or discern what, what the prophecy was versus what was the explanation of the prophecy. So um, um, you know, I, every time I watch this clip, this will be about third or fourth time, I get new nuances from these couple of clips with Robin. So I think that's enough to get going. So here's a three minute clip that'll answer a lot of the things I'm trying to explain here. So here we go. While CERN is on the temple of Apollo, trying to create a, open a portal to the bottomless pit, yeah. to another dimension, you've got all this stuff happening at the same time. And now they're gonna rewrite the Bible. To start with, the Bible says before the end, there'll be a great falling away. Yeah, does say that. A lot of them will fall away. If it's possible, they will fool the very elect. So there's going to be a lot of deception going on. Okay, people are so taken by even chat GPT, they, you, you, they're giddy about it. I mean, they're excited about it because they can, it's almost like they're, they can ask it anything and it gives them a prophetic word of what's coming and what could come. That's prophecy. That's an AI-generated prophecy. I told you in a prophetic word not long ago that there'd be two Bibles in the earth. And now headline just showed up. China rewrites the Bible. 
They're rewriting the scripture. Communist China. Why would they fool with the Bible? They don't even believe in God, do they? They're not supposed to. But the dragon is rewriting a Bible now. As a part of a push to cynicize religion, the Chinese Communist Party has embarked on a 10-year project to rewrite the Bible and other religious texts. In the Gospel of John, Jesus famously confronts the accusers, a woman caught committing adultery, saying, Let the one among you who was guiltless be the first to throw a stone at her. The chastened accusers slink away, and Jesus says to the woman, Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she replied. Neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go away, and from this moment on, sin no more. Unless you're a CCP official, then it's a story of a dissident challenging the authority of the state. A possible sneak preview of what a Bible with socialist characteristics might look like appeared in a Chinese university textbook in 2020. The rewritten Gospel of John excerpt ends not with mercy, but with Jesus himself stoning the adulterous woman to death. AI can create new ideas, can even write a new Bible. We, you know, throughout history, religions dreamt about having a book written by a superhuman intelligence, by a non-human entity. In a few years, there might be religions that are actually correct, that just think about a religion whose holy book is written by an AI. That could be a reality in a few years. So we were talking about uh, on Sunday uh, when Robin called me, we were talking about the whole thing in the, in the AI. And I said, I said, I don't know if you'd put it in these words, but I said, I don't think um, if you ask if any of you who are believers download, I don't even know how it works and I don't intend to find out uh, chat GTP and ask it questions about your life. I, and I said this to Rob, that, I don't think that's any, uh, any less dangerous than a Ouija board. He said, I told you, Steve, it's going to be the, the modern day prophets are going to be uh, AI. And people are starting asking them, and he agreed, that's no different or better than, than playing with a Ouija board. And anyone within the sound of my voice, I mean it with the strongest, and I'll have Robin on, I think he's on the 10th or 11th of August, He'll, we've got him back on. We're going to talk about that. I would not play with that. AI, I would not, not by asking about your future because uh, it's, the demonic is using it and they intend fully to write a brand new Bible using AI. And then the other thing you, you heard that that thing with uh, uh, communist President Xi has, a, has embarked on a program to rewrite the Bible. Uh, and, and, you know, Jesus releases, appears to release the woman caught in sin in this one rewrite in China. And then after the people slink away because they're not without sin and Jesus is left, is left alone with the woman, then they say Jesus went ahead and stoned her himself because he didn't have any sin. That's wickedness. That's just what the devil would inspire. So either of those iterations of the Bible. So anyway, so Robin has specifically talked about there's going to be two Bibles and he's mentioned both incidences. So that would be clarifying for people to say, well, did he prophesy this or did he prophesy that? He basically prophesied two Bibles. And then he's given you two main examples that are that are really in process. Or so okay, I think that'll be very interesting. Be sure and forward this on to your friends and let them know. It's, it's especially the stuff about what Robin is prophesying. So interesting stuff. So, all right, time to bring in uh, a prophets and patriots episode. We're going to bring in Roger Stone. So here we go. Roger. 
Roger Stone. Did you see that part we just played? Uh, I did indeed. You know, Steve, I must tell you, Robin Bullock has become such a powerful influence in my life. I wow. Mean, he's, he's a man of few words. Uh, he's given me invaluable spiritual counseling. Everything he's ever told me would come to pass has come to pass shortly thereafter, sometimes sometimes concurrently. Uh, he, he is, he is a, he's a very effective apostle for the Lord, and I value his friendship. I can't even, I can't overstate this. Wow, so good to hear, Roger. That, that, you know, I, I, sometimes I forget that you and him are friends, and uh, that's a very key relationship God put together. So that's very, very cool. So, well, Roger, we got a page full of things that you're going to talk about, and I'm going to turn it over to you to jump off. But I mean, I, what I have on my notes is about the attacks by the media. Let's, let's, let's start with that and see where you go with it. Yeah, it's very interesting that uh, that specifically media matters for America, but others on the left, which means the mainstream media, continue to attack me, uh, General Flynn, uh, Pastor Leon Benjamin, uh, uh, Clay Clark, and others for our involvement in the Reawaken America tour, specifically because we have called out the opposition yeah. uh, as being satanic. Uh, and demonic. And we have done that, uh, not because we want to hurl insults, but because it is absolutely true. But when we see this effort literally to destroy Donald Trump, to they, they believe me, they will seek pretrial incarceration. They want to stop what is coming, which is to say uh, his return to the White House. Uh, and I see the tactics and the lies uh, and the strategy of distortion, uh, and uh, when you see the torrent of hate that I get on social media, just unadorned, unadulterated hate, uh, they are satanic. They are demonic. Uh, this is no longer a fight between Republicans and Democrats or liberals and conservatives, uh, but this is a fight truly between good and evil, between dark and light. Uh, between the godly and the godless, and, and it's not—it's not—it's not election year rhetoric. It's not an effort to vilify them falsely. We call them out for exactly what they are: the Daily Beast. That they, there's actually a publication called the Daily Beast. Wow. They don't even hide who they are. It's really—it it becomes tiresome. Uh, and it, we do these terrific gatherings around the country. There's one coming up at the end of August in Las Vegas. They call you a white supremacist, which we are not. They call you a racist, which we are not. They call us bigots. Jesus loved everyone. We hate no one. Uh, we are not. They say, oh, you're a Christian nationalist. Well, let's see. Let's break that down. I'm definitely a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in his birth, death, and resurrection. And I'm definitely a nationalist in the sense that I love my country, and I believe it was founded on Christian principles. But they throw that at you as some kind of insult, like mm. we are the extremists. No, they are the extremists. Uh, and, uh, you know, I look, I bear it now with grace. Used to get under my skin, doesn't get under my skin anymore. That's really good, you know. Um, yeah, so every once in a while, they'll they'll come up with what's supposed to be an insult, like the one you just said, or they'll say, well, you're 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 the MAGA people, and that was supposed to be a an insult eventually. Then they added the word ultra. You're ultra MAGA. Well, thank you. I kind of am. I'm ultra for let's make America great again. Where's the problem in this statement? But they 
I think they're running out of names that stick, and it's frustrating to them. Well, you know, it used to be when I would go, even today, to the grocery store or the drugstore or the post office or a restaurant, uh, and people would, you know, start shouting at me, you're a Russian traitor, you're a, you're, you're, you're a traitor, you're a Russian spy, you're a piece of garbage, you should die in prison. In the old days, the old Roger Stone would, would respond with an obscenity. But now I say, you're so misguided, I'm going to pray for you. So good. That drives them absolutely <laughs> crazy. <laughs> you know, and, and anyone that's coming on new, uh, I'll, a couple of reminders for the viewers is that your name was given in uh, your name was given by Kim Clement in one of his prophecies, and I believe was it the same prophecy as with uh, uh, Clay Clark, or was that a different one? It's a different prophecy. What okay, he so both of your names were given, and you both recognized it, and your friends recognized that it was you. Robin came along and and added to that. I can't quite remember how he said it when the when the Robin stone said when the when the stone when when the when uh, when the stone is free, the stone will be in flight. And when the stone is in flight, and he says right now the stone is still in flight. Pardon me. When the stone is released, the stone will be in flight. Uh, and uh, Donna uh, Clement Petruska great, has become a great friend of mine. She's absolutely convinced that her father's reference in which he says, she, he says, the giant will be taken down by a simple stone. Remember that name. That's what he did, and that's what Kim said. Yeah, yeah, and I remember I, that. And I want to be clear, Steve. I'm not claiming to be uh, a saint or a prophet uh, or, or or anything special. I'm just a soldier in the army of God, and I will do His will. I really do believe that my life was spared. I mean, they wanted to throw me in prison for seven to nine years for lying under oath to Congress about Russian collusion that never even existed. How do you lie about something that didn't happen? It was a Soviet-style show trial. It destroyed my families financially. That put us under intense hardship. I think it caused my wife's cancer because stress oh. is a is a triggerer for cancer. But the Lord has lifted us up. When the Bible says the Lord will uh, will protect you from your persecutors, you can read Psalm ninety-one, and I read it every day. You can go to Deuteronomy thirty-one-six. That's the one Robin Bullock reminds me of, and every conversation we have, uh, if you just put your faith in, Lord, in the Lord, this is how you download fear. This is how you get rid of fear. So, so um, the country's in a, in a dire place right now. And as a hard-boiled political strategist, a veteran of 12 national presidential campaigns, people say to me, what's your strategy? And when I tell them my biggest, the most important thing of our strategy, they're expecting you to tell them something political. I said, prayer. Prayer works. Wow. Prayer has Power. We can achieve nothing, nothing without prayer. You know, even General Flynn, I think, speaks along those lines a little bit too. The both of you are are heroic. Now, when when Kim had that word for you, if you go back in time when the word was given, you weren't necessarily walking with the Lord at all at that time. Am, am I stating that about right? I didn't. I didn't even know about it. So it wasn't until after I was charged in the Mother Witch Hunt that just individual Christians started emailing me, texting me mailing me letters. You could just write, a, you could write Roger Stone, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and pop it into the post really? office postage. And people kept telling me to go read this prophecy. I finally looked it up online and then I understood it. Uh, but it was not until, I, you're right, not until I hit rock bottom 
Not when I realized that I was not going to get a fair trial. Not until I realized that I was going to be gagged and then lynched that I turned my life over to Christ. I confessed yeah. my sins. Uh, and from that point on, uh, the Lord has lifted us up and helped us in every way. Ask and you shall receive. This is absolutely true. Uh, and now what I try to do uh, is to tell others. In other words, if, if God can help me, a hard-boiled, hard-nosed political operative, he can help anyone. Uh, and therefore, I never turn down a request to go on a, a Christian podcast or a Christian radio show or speak to a church group if I can. I, I do as much of that as I do. Wow. You know, uh, you know, I was good. I, I was inclined to ask you, what was it that made you such the, the stone that was going to be? What was it that made you such a threat? And of course, people would say, well, you were a, how many 12 campaigns? You were a brilliant, if not genius political strategist. And so God looked at that. Someone would say, well, God looked at you're a brilliant strategist giftings. He even put those in you and said that he's the one that's going to, um, you know, his, his knowledge and his counsel and his wisdom. But I think it was not so much that, although it probably involves that, but it was that, that you're a guy that wasn't walking with the Lord and suddenly you are on fire and nobody can shut you up. And I mean that. I mean, nobody can get you to stop talking about Jesus Christ. No one can get you to stop telling your story about being in the uh, Franklin Graham thing. I mean, that's where the, the threat gets real because the enemy, whatever they thought was a threat before when they were going to put you in jail, it's like multiplied now because you are a for lack of a better word, you know, cliches, but you're now a sinner saved by grace and, and happy to talk about it. And that's the real threat. Well, look, I've had six miracles in my own life in a very short period of time. I mean, the first being the commutation of my sentence two days before they ever shipped me to a dank Georgia prison where I was supposed to die. Uh, <sighs> then a full presidential pardon. Uh, then uh, my wife, who's now two years cancer free. Yay. Uh, you know, wow. thanks to the healing power of Jesus Christ and the prayer, literally, I think of at this point, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. Uh, then on January 6th, uh, the Lord came to me in the shower before I got dressed and told me not to leave the hotel ground. Wow. It was a clear word. Really? Uh, there's, no, there's no doubt about that. Never left my hotel. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I survived a, a car accident in, in, uh, uh, not Nashville, but right outside of Memphis when I was visit, visiting Mike Lindell. My car was a T-bone. So I've had all these miracles uh, in my life, and now I'm praying for one more miracle, which is the salvation of this nation. Uh, I really believe fervently that God will not let, let this last best bastion of hope and freedom disappear. But the people we're up against, they have no rules. There are no rules of engagement. They they speak endlessly about their love of the rule of law. But yesterday you saw a left-wing college professor say, well, uh, my advice to Joe Biden is if you don't like a Supreme Court decision because it now has a MAGA majority, you can just ignore it. Well, what happened to the rule of law? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, where do I want to go? Let's talk about on our list, Obama's got a plan to dump Biden and replace him with Michelle. Really? And how could he do that? I'm 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 as much dumbfounded as how it would happen in the length of time remaining as to that he would choose that at all. Go ahead and talk about that. Yeah, let, let me explain it. First of yeah. all, the filing deadlines to appear on the ballot 
in the states that will have primaries and caucuses to select the Democratic nominee for president do not come until this December. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. So far, Joe Biden has not filed to appear on the ballot in any state. Uh, I believe that the concurrent weight of his physical infirmity, uh, the fact that he can barely string together a sentence. Hmm. Uh, He goes to Ireland two days later. He says he can't remember the last time he was outside the country. His obvious uh, mental confusion. Uh, falling down, uh, seeming to be disoriented, combined with the weight of the extraordinary evidence of crimes by him and his son and his brother and other members of his family, crimes that now, without any question, include extortion, uh, bribery, uh, money laundering, uh, influence peddling, illegal lobbying, and millions and millions of dollars from Russia, from Ukraine, from Romania, from China. Uh, You know, he denied all these things. He denied he knew anything about his son and his business activities. The House Republicans now have solid proof to the contrary. Uh, And then you have the impact of his policies, the highest gas prices in history, Uh, the 72 percent increase in the cost of basic groceries. Wow. That's if you can find food because we have food shortages, ravaging inflation that is really hurting hardworking American families. Meanwhile, we are shipping billions of dollars to Ukraine when we have 370,000 homeless veterans in this country who aren't being taken care of. I think all of that manifests itself in a shrewd calculation by the de facto president of the United States and the de facto leader of the Democratic Party, Barack Obama. Uh, They cannot possibly hope to limp through an election with Joe Biden. Uh, I think he is on the cusp of impeachment. There are rumblings today from House Republicans. I think this is coming. So mechanically, it could happen several ways. Joe could resign, citing ill health, uh, but pardon himself and his brother and his son and perhaps other of their Confederates on his way out the door. Now, when it was speculated at the end of Trump's term that Trump might pardon himself or members of his family, Every left-wing college professor in the country popped up and says, well, that's a, that legal theory is untested. It's not certain that he can do that. We're not sure. It's a, it's a gray area. But when Biden does it, trust me, those same law professors, Lawrence Tribe and others, they'll all be saying, oh, yeah, yeah. he absolutely has the power to do that. The absolutely. hypocrisy. The hypocrisy. Go ahead. Uh, and we know from, we know from uh, Gerald Ford's pardon of Richard Nixon that one need not be accused or, or indicted for a crime and they can still be pardoned for any crime. Uh, if, if Joe refuses to go, and I think that's entirely possible, if he won't go gently because he realizes right now he has the power to try to stay out of prison uh, and his wife certainly enjoys the spotlight, uh, then they could remove him under the 25th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. That requires a majority uh, of the cabinet, plus the acquiescence of the sitting vice president. That, would that sounds like, here. Roger, that sounds like it. that's one of the easiest things you've listed so far is all she has to do is agree. And the people in that room around that table could go, yeah, does it have to be 100% on the cabinet or just Major- majority of the cabinet yeah. plus the that's, vice president? That's easy. That's an easy thing. But OK, I, I'll Whereas go ahead. Impeachment, impeachment 
means basically an impeachment indictment by the House, but then a two-thirds vote of the U.S. Senate. Very okay. hard to get to the two-thirds in this highly uh, partisan atmosphere in the U.S. Senate, where the Senate is almost evenly divided. Mm. Now, that means Kamala Harris would become president. Well, so before everybody here has a heart attack, yeah, right. let's recognize that nothing would really change because Joe Biden, in my opinion, is not running the country today. Uh, and Kamala Harris would not be running the country. And she would be quickly replaced. My guess is uh, that the Obamas would promise her an appointment to the U.S. Supreme Court if she declined to run again. She'd fill out the balance of Joe's term, which at that point will be about a year. Uh, and the most obvious nominee for the Democratic Party is Michelle Obama. First okay. of all, within the confines of their party, the only way you could replace a woman of color politically is with another more popular woman of color. Uh, and then my guess is that uh, Gavin Newsom will be allowed to purchase the vice presidential nomination uh, by raising you know, $800 million in campaign funds from special interests in California. Uh, they're not going to nominate a white male for president in their party, certainly not to replace a woman of color. So that gives you uh, an Obama-Newsom ticket. Uh, she's not out registering votes in a voter drive. She's not doing, out doing a book tour because she needs the money or for her health. Uh, she is. Uh, she. They are very definitely uh, positioning her. This is why they canceled the Iowa caucuses. They canceled uh, the New Hampshire primary within their within their system. And really? the, first, the first contest will be South Carolina, a state that has a majority African Americans in the Democratic primary electorate so and and the convention is where chicago how Gee. incredibly convenient her hometown oh man and okay now i gotta ask this uh because she's she was always the first lady of course they're gonna say well she can now be president because she was first lady uh, that's sort of an untested thing or does someone else still run the country with her i mean what are your thoughts about that i'm not i'm not dissing her abilities i'm just saying She's the she's been the first lady and she's never campaigned to run for any office. Well, she's an attorney. Uh, she worked uh, in the uh, in several municipal administrations in Chicago as part of the machine. She's very, very popular in the country. It'd be a mistake for us to underestimate that. Okay. Uh, she's no more or less qualified than Hillary Clinton was. And she was the nominee of her party and she was secretary of state and she got elected to the U.S. Senate. What were her qualifications for, the, for either of those jobs other than being married to Bill Clinton. Yeah, so uh, I think true. that anyone who regards her as a weak candidate would be making an extraordinary yeah, mistake. That's uh, but who would really run the country? Her husband would continue to run the country, as I believe he is doing today. Okay, that's interesting. Now, off the air, you know, I, I said, would you ever entertain this question? And I, I said, there was a retired general. I can't remember his name. You didn't know for sure, but you had a suspicion of who said that said came up publicly a week or two ago and said he looking at the whole thing he does not expect her to actually be a 2024 uh election and results of election so what what just tell the people what your response is of that well i still think we will we will go through an election uh, whether that election is a free fair honest transparent election remains to be seen the fact that all of these polls now show President Trump pulling out to a sizable lead over Joe Biden is what has sparked this hysteria 
to uh, charge him with fabricated crimes uh, in new jurisdictions. The case they brought against him in Florida is a ridiculous case. The Presidential Records Act of 1977 makes it very clear uh, that he is entitled to do anything with presidential records he wants. Uh, but they've charged him under an obscure Espionage Act of 1917. And now the deep state and the Justice Department are apoplectic because uh, in the jurisdiction in which this will go to trial, in a random selecting, he actually actually got a fair-minded judge. And therefore, there's a possibility he'll get a fair trial, which means there's a high probability that going to trial in Florida, um, he will be acquitted. This is why I predict to you that you'll have new indictments uh, in the District of Columbia, uh, perhaps pertaining to the riot at the Capitol, uh, perhaps pertaining to the effort to uh, delay the certification of the Electoral College. I, I think they'd both be fabricated crimes. I don't think there's any real crime there. But I can also tell you firsthand the danger of going to trial in the District of Columbia. It's yeah. a highly politicized bench. It's a highly politicized jury pool. Uh, I don't think any Republican, any uh, libertarian, any Trump supporter, every free thinking, free thinker, any evangelical Christian could get a fair trial in D.C. Uh, and as I say, I experienced this in my own case, the Constitution, the law, the rules, due process, none of these things matter uh, in the District of Columbia. Yeah, because so they I, rule. I what the, that is how they seek to destroy him. And most importantly, uh, if convicted of insurrection under the 14th Amendment, it would trigger a provision that would make him ineligible to run for president again, thus keeping him off the ballot. And I think that is their end game. I, I think the thing that's so confusing, and I know it has to be the solution to what I'm about to say, has to be that at some point the military steps in. That's got to happen, in my view, because if D.C., if they, they've got all this footage of... Uh, Capitol Police being planted, being waving people into the Capitol. They've got this footage of federal uh, um, uh, Justice Department employees being part of the the, um, the plant to to gin up the crowd and 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 make people uh, look vicious when they weren't. In fact, when they do show the video, the guy that with the horns, all that, he's just walking around. Everybody's walking around. So. I mean, that can, we've, most of us have seen little blips of footage. How, how is it that this cannot be brought forward, Roger? Why is that so hard to get that, the American people to see the real footage? Well, nobody in the mainstream media will cover it. Okay. It's got limited coverage. You saw what happened to Tucker Carlson when he tried to cover it. He was just yeah. beginning, he was just beginning uh, when he was terminated. On the other hand, if there is a trial, Trump could certainly raise all these things at trial. That's a tremendous risk for the deep state. Uh, what we don't want is a civil war. Right. This is not violence. Anybody who says it is is making a gigantic mistake. I think that there's an effort out there. There may be an effort to goad people into the acts of violence that they would turn around and blame on Donald Trump yeah. and his supporters. People need to remember that everyone wearing a MAGA hat may not actually be your right. friend. So yeah. if you choose to protest, if you choose to exercise your First Amendment rights any place at any time, it's vitally important you keep in mind to keep it legal, keep it orderly, and keep it civil. They would like nothing better than have some false flag operation 
in which they can blame supporters of the president uh, for for breaking the law. Um, I don't expect uh, the military to uh, do anything. Sadly, I think during the eight years of Barack Obama's reign, most of the patriots, most of the non-political career soldiers at the higher and middle echelons of our military were mustered out, were retired. Sadly, I think uh, right now you can see it in their policies uh, towards uh, the transsexual and so on, uh, and the woke ideology uh, and the vaccinations uh, being forced uh, on uh, our people in our military. Um, I I have no hope that that is going to happen. Uh, I do think that Trump uh, has has to run the table here in terms of the nomination, which I think is going to happen. Uh, And I equate this to drawing to an inside straight in a poker game. If anybody's played that game, everything has to go right. But again, with Jesus Christ, anything, everything is possible. Yeah. Uh, This is why people say, aren't you depressed? Aren't you, aren't you upset? Aren't you worried? The answer is no, I am none of those things because uh, I put my faith in God. I I was with Donald Trump, as you know, for four days traveling was a tremendous. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. You know, Steve, it's like being in a place 40 years ago and then not being back in that place for 40 years and everything is exactly the same, exactly the same. Uh, First of all, uh, the boundless energy uh, and the stamina uh, and the good humor. (laughs) It's amazing. It's astounding. I mean, he's 77. I'm 70. He left me in the dust. I mean, we left Newark, New Jersey at six o'clock in the morning. That night, he did three different dinners with three different sets of people. Uh, one for uh, uh, one for campaign donors, one for political le- uh, leaders, party leaders, and a third one for some of the associates of Dana White in the in the UFC. Uh, and he was still in a great mood. So his 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 mood is upbeat, positive. He's very, very funny. He's fun <laughs> to be with. Uh, you know, the, the media creates this 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 myth. He's unhinged. He's hysterical. He's he's crapping his pants. No, none of that's true. I was with him for four days straight. It was like old times. And we have obviously when I've known when you've known somebody that long, you have a few inside jokes, or you may remember something that happened thirty years ago. He's sharp as attack. Uh, his speeches were like really on point. We went from uh, from New Jersey, from Bedminster uh, to Iowa, where he spoke to the kickoff of Farmers for Trump. It was a great event. About 3,000 people inside. Another 2,000 people couldn't get in because the fire marshals had closed the doors. Uh, then we went to Las Vegas. Similar situation. But in Las Vegas, he forgot and he left his printed remarks in the car. So he spoke completely extemporaneously and he didn't miss a beat. I mean, he was just, totally, <laughs> he was totally on message. And then because the venue was such in which people were standing up, there was no seating and you had, you know, roughly 50% of the folks in the crowd were older. I mean, I have trouble standing up for an hour straight. Sure. Uh, you know, he, he, the length of his remarks were absolutely perfect. Meaning he built to a crescendo and then he closed. Uh, so I, I must tell you, he's in top form. For those uh, who questioned when he announced he was running again, whether he still had it, believe me, he still has it. And then Sunday when we got to we got to uh, uh, Los Angeles, 
before returning to New Jersey in the morning in his suite um, before everybody went their separate ways, we prayed together. And that, wow. that was really, really powerful. Well, you know, now you, you've known President Trump for years and years, long before he ran, right? And uh, is, is my memory right? Did you know him before he ever ran for president? Oh, yes, absolutely. I um, met him in 1979. And, and uh, you were not a praying person, and he wasn't a praying person probably back then. I mean, would that be accurate to say? That would be fair to was say. It, was it like two old friends where everything is the same, like you just described, and yet at the same time everything is different because you're now both serving the Lord? I mean, how would you? I would say about a month ago, maybe a little longer, uh, I was I was headed out to the door to church. I go to Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, uh, which was founded by Dr. D. James Kennedy and was dedicated by the great Billy Graham, one of the greatest men of the 20th century. Uh, and I was on my way out to service and President Trump called. And he says, is this a good time? And I said, well, I'm just leaving for church. And he said, oh, okay. Why don't we say a quick prayer now and you can call me back later? Wow. Prayed together on the phone. Now that is a different Donald Trump than the one I knew 45 and years ago. This is even a different Donald Trump than most of us. Most of us know he he he'll show the Bible, he believes in it, he'll point to the God, but for him to initiate, why don't we pray now? Most people have not seen that side of Donald Trump. That's an inside baseball if you mix metaphor here, but I mean, that's really sweet information, sweet testimony to hear that he would do that well I mean, he certainly could have just said look i'll call you back later yeah he said you're on your way out to church why don't we pray right now so i he, he called on me to say a brief prayer i did he said amen and we hung, and we hung up he called me back that afternoon what can you say uh roger you did say nothing's off limits so i'm just going to ask this in in his first term uh, I think he recently commented that that I think he'd even made, I don't have a, the quote in front of me, but he said something like the mistakes I made in the first term is I didn't know all the people and all the players or whatever. And um, can you t- uh, talk about that for a minute there, where he had people on his staff or cabinet that were really not friends, but enemies. And then how is that looking right now in this run? Is he, has he got a better slate of people that are loyal to him? What, what can you say about all that? Well, first of all, I think it's important to recognize that he came to Washington as a non-politician. Yeah. Uh, he'd only been there 17 times in his life pre- prior to becoming sworn in as president. Really? Uh, and he had, uh, you know, he had, a, might as well say, a somewhat naive view that there were two teams, the Republicans and the Democrats. And the Republicans, even those who had opposed his nomination, would coalesce around him the way they had around Ronald Reagan, the last outsider president we had. Uh, and that the Democrats would oppose him. What he never really understood was that half, maybe more than half, of the Republican leadership in Washington were were in bed with the Democrats in terms of their worldview, one world government, globalist government, the erosion of our civil liberties, the erosion of our constitutional rights, uh, the erasing of our religious freedoms, uh, and that uh, you know that not everybody who had Republican on their resume was necessarily a good guy. Uh, and therefore, despite the fact that he made some mistakes in his appointments, he still gave us the most robust economy in our yeah, history. He did. Record job creation, record wage growth, the lowest levels of unemployment among all Americans, young, old, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, urban, rural. He brought billions of dollars back in the country because he changed the tax treatment 
so that the money would be invested here to create jobs here, to expand the economy here. He appointed scores of conservatives to the Supreme Court, including a Supreme Court that uh, that returned the question of abortion back to the states where it belongs. Uh, he rebuilt our military strength. So despite the fact that he had some quislings around him, he was an enormously successful, and I would argue, transformational Absolutely. President. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. Uh, now, however, he's completely awake. Now he will look at a more with a more jaundiced eye at those who come out of the intelligence services or those who graduated for some of the Ivy League schools. Uh, I think that his second term will be even greater than his first term. So good. I want to ask you about, you know, especially as a believer, we've always thought and believed, I suppose I still do, that that Pence is a believer, but he let the, the country down. First, first of all, the good news is, how can I say it? The good news is that he let the country down because now we have these three or four years to learn what's going on. If Pence had played ball and done what he should have done and not certified the election, we may never have learned about all of this and child trafficking and the unit party and all that. That's my quick, you know, editorial. But I mean, what, what are your thoughts about Pence? What happened then? Where is he now? Friend or foe? I mean, what do you have to say about all that? Well, I don't question his, him as a believer at all. Um, but I do think he's finished in American politics. I mean, the Republican Party, more than any, than any other institution, we believe in hegemony. We believe in waiting our turn, the logical uh, progression of things. This is why John McCain was the first runner-up when he challenged George W. Bush. Then he was subsequently nominated for president. This is why Bob Dole, uh, who was first runner-up to George Bush, subsequently running for president. We believe in waiting your turn. Yeah. We believe in the natural order of things. It's why Nixon was was nominated after eight years as vice president under Eisenhower. Uh, Mike Pence is running in single digits. Mike Pence is the least popular Republican in the field. Uh, the party at the grassroots level is dominated by those who favor uh, the America first agenda. In other words, non-elite Trump Republicans. So I really scratch my head and I wonder why Mike Pence is running. I mean, I don't want to be yeah. about this, but my dog has a better chance of being <laughs> uh, than he does, and my dog's not running. So uh, he's going to be he's going to be humiliated in the caucuses in the primaries. I have to assume that the the political consultant class inside the Beltway and other those smoke blowing smoke in his ears uh, are doing it because they make money off of it, but he has zero chance of being the Republican nominee. I, I wanted to ask this, and I've seen this out and about, and I wonder, with all the people running, of course, there were 16 um, people that he, he conquered and then won the, the 2016 election, but what about all of the different players who are now running? Um, I, I wondered if there was that, talking about hegemony and all that, isn't there something where Everybody runs and everybody knows that Trump's going to be the nominee unless something miraculous happens in their favor. They know he's going to be the nominee. Aren't they positioning themselves and shouldn't they be positioning themselves to turn and endorse him once he becomes the candidate? How does that all work? Well, first of all, some of them are running for vice president. Okay. Some of them are running for a cabinet job. 
some some of them are, are running because they realize that if they show greater strength in this contest than expected, they could be setting themselves up for a future run for president. Uh, you can tell by the tone of the way they handle Donald Trump. You notice, for example, Tim Scott, the senator from South Carolina, who I think is a good man, has never attacked Donald Trump in his campaign. That's He's good. Completely positive. Vivek uh, Ramswamy, uh, who is, uh, seems to be on a little bit of a roll here, has never criticized Donald Trump. Uh, he's been generally supportive. Uh, anybody who can read a poll uh, with any depth understands that, that Donald Trump has an absolute stranglehold on the grassroots, uh, yeah. the grassroots activists of the Republican Party, and therefore attacking him is suicidal. Uh, in this sense, former Governor Chris Christie is a suicide bomber. Yeah, he is, isn't he? He has no prospect of being nominated. He admits his only motivation in running is revenge. Revenge because he was passed over for a cabinet job. Revenge because he should have run in 2012 against Mitt Romney when he had a chance and he didn't. He's, he's an angry, bitter man, but he has no uplifting or positive vision for the country. Sure. Uh, and then, as I've said, uh, I've said it on this show and, el and elsewhere, I'm deeply disappointed in my own governor, Ron DeSantis, who I voted for three yeah, times. I was going to ask you about him next, so yeah, go for it. I just think that it's an act, it's a personal act of treachery. He's 42 years old. He was lifted out of obscurity by Donald Trump through a tweeted endorsement. He was not the favor of, favorite of the Republican establishment in this state. 67 county chairmen had all endorsed uh, his opponent, Adam Putnam, the state mm. agriculture commissioner. Every Republican state legislature had uh, had endorsed, uh, including the Senate president and the Speaker of the House, had endorsed DeSantis's opponent. Every member of the Republican congressional delegation from Florida, with the exception of Matt Gates, had endorsed uh, Ron's opponent. He was at 7% in the polls. His opponent, Adam Putnam, the former agriculture commissioner, was at about 50, 49 in a fraction. It was looking like a blowout uh, when Congressman Gates, a friend of mine, uh, convinced uh, the president uh, to uh, take a, a flyer and endorse Ron DeSantis because DeSantis had come to Trump's attention by defending him on Fox uh, during the Russian collusion hoax. Unbeknownst to Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis never endorsed Donald Trump in 2016, even after really was the nominee. He withheld his endorsement, uh, which is ironic because in Ron's congressional district, Trump ran much better on election day than DeSantis ran in running for re-election. Uh, nonetheless, um, I just view this as an act of treachery, an mm. act of personal act of betrayal. Uh, and I knew it was, I, I've, I was an early warning on this one uh, in the sense that I knew this was coming. When I first really? told Trump that I, I thought DeSantis was going to challenge him, he told me there was no way. I made this guy. There's no way. Uh, now he believes it and he's not very happy about it. Uh, as I say to people all the time, if you have a choice of hearing the Beatles or a Beatles tribute band, which one would you rather hear? Yeah, the would Beatles. You rather go watch and hear the Beatles. Yeah. We had the leader of the America First movement, Donald Trump. Yeah. He was cheated, in my opinion, out of a second term. He deserves a shot at that second term. Governor DeSantis has huge problems here in Florida. We are having a home insurance crisis. Uh, under a law signed by Governor DeSantis, if your home was destroyed in the hurricane uh, and your home insurer is 
charging you, is offering you pennies on the dollar, nowhere near what it would cost to replace your roof or your home, you can no longer sue the, the home insurer. They're immune from lawsuit. Uh, if, if we have a utility rate crisis, uh, Ron DeSantis took nine and a half million dollars from Florida Power and Light and its subsidiaries, and we've just gotten a 22 percent increase in our electricity bills. Really, in Florida, this is a huh? state with a lot of senior citizens and people on fixed incomes. We now have the first malaria outbreak in the state's history. Uh, and in all honesty, the governor has sought very hard to to reinvent his history in terms of the handling of the COVID-19 vaccination uh, and pandemic, but he was a full-throated advocate for the vaccination. Uh, and uh, we had lockdowns here much longer than President Trump favored lockdowns, our beaches, our restaurants, and so on. So that's revisionist history that just doesn't meet the test. Yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the governor's taking huge contributions from Big Pharma, uh, those who are, who make uh, some of the most uh, the, puber the puberty blockers, uh, some of those who have made the, the vaccination. So it, there's a lot of hypocrisy there. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad to hear you say this because most of us have not heard any of this. Even the people that that, that see the, the increase in rates probably didn't know he was taking all that much money from the uh, utility companies. So we had no idea. I mean, what? I'm, I don't have any property in Florida. I don't live there, but I, I my heart's in places like Texas and Florida. These are go-to states if my state won't won't comply to with some sort of reasonable, you know, righteousness. I'll just put it that way. But um, I, you know, we we would hear things like DeSantis took on Disney, and for many of us, we thought that well, thank God that he's taken on the groomers, and that made him a hero. Um, I mean, talk about that aspect of it. Uh, look, I think the governor's done some good things. Uh, when when he's accused of banning books, he's not banning books. What he doesn't want, and I agree with this, is taxpayer financed pornography being given to school children. Yeah. Uh, he's right about that. Yeah. But unfortunately, I think his struggle with Disney that has gotten lost uh, in the crossfire. Okay. Uh, and uh, in the end, there's a lot of corporate politics there. I'm not sure he's going to be successful. Uh, but he he's taken on some important fights. I'm glad I voted for him. Yeah. I would just like him to return from Iowa and do the job yeah. he elected him to do. For example, he signed an executive order that said that we would that school boards would be prohibited from pushing you know sexual or or racial dogma in the schools, uh, critical race theory, and so on. But they're doing it right now in the Broward County school system. Uh, and in other large school systems. Uh, and the government was a great pre-campaign rhetoric, but it has no enforcement because the governor's in Iowa or Tennessee oh, wow. today. He, needs wow. to, he only was elected, re-elected, I guess now six months ago. Uh, he needs to come back to Florida and do the job that he was elected to do. He's 42 years old. He's got plenty of time to run for yeah. president. Had he just waited his turn, in all honesty, uh, and picked up the 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 uh, the loyalty of Donald Trump by campaigning aggressively for him. Uh, win or lose, he would have been the front runner in in two thousand. Wow. Wow. Now I believe, Steve, that he's that he has irreparably destroyed his political brand. And okay. here's why: I think there's a group of voters out there who are not Republicans and they're not Democrats. Uh, let's call them Trumplocrats or even Trumplicans. Hmm. They will vote for Donald Trump and no one else. 
they are turned off by politics. They're turned off by both parties. They're turned off by what they see as a broken system. They did not vote for Mitt Romney. It's why he lost. They will not vote for any candidate other than Trump. They're overwhelmingly blue collar people, working class people. Uh, they believe it, they believe in Trump, the man, uh, and his platform. Those people are now, uh, I think, alienated from Governor DeSantis forever. So even if, God forbid, Donald Trump got hit by a bus tomorrow mm. and could make this race, Ron DeSantis would not win a general election because those voters have been have been disillusioned. Yeah, uh, they have, and they have been. Uh, deeply disappointed in him. Yeah, and I, you know, if I lived in the state, I'd say just, you know, he's burned his bridges. Let him keep being uh, governor. We'll let him do that and bless him in it and thank him for the good decisions, but he's blown that, that other one. I have one other uh, person to run by you, uh, Gavin Newsom. He's like the biggest hypocrite known to man. They, he's got the makeup and the hair and the lights and he's he's plays the part. Meanwhile, homelessness has skyrocketed. Taxes have shot up. They're in great debt. Um, L.A. is a mess. People tell me I've looked at property there in California because he used to live there. I want hope for California. But they say, Steve, don't even get near to L.A. County. It's completely de- Gavin Newsom has destroyed uh, Los Angeles. And so what, what are your thoughts? And why in the world would anyone consider him as vice president or presidential material? Well, look, I'm not a fan of Gavin Newsom. I think he may be the worst governor in the country. You take a beautiful state like that with the sunshine and the ocean and perfect weather. How do you turn that into an economic cesspool? Yeah. uh, Which is what it what it really, really is. Steve, I want to cover one of them. Go ahead. Yeah, go go ahead. When I was in uh, Los Angeles uh, with President Trump, we had the occasion to meet Mel Gibson. It was a good experience. Uh, And. uh, we, we were engaged in a conversation about this new movie, uh, Sound of Freedom. Uh, and uh, the president was unfamiliar with the well, movie. He'd heard a little bit about it, but Mel, who had a, a kind of a sub rosa hand in it, he's not the producer, but he's very close to Jim Caviezel uh, and Eduardo Barastegui, who is the uh, producer and actor who really put this film together. Uh, and uh, out of that conversation, the president decided to show the film uh, at Bedminster last Wednesday night. Uh, I couldn't make it, but uh, Jim Caviezel was there. Uh, Eduardo Verastegui was there. Uh, Others from the cast were there. It was a a great evening, according to the president. And then, uh, I guess two nights ago, my wife and I went to go see the film at a local AMC theater. I really, really recommend this film to people. It is really uplifting. Uh, it is really educating, first of all. Uh, it is uplifting because it's a story of of of, of uh, uh, where good wins in the end, uh, and where uh, these chi- these children who have been uh, trafficked are returned to their father. It's a heartbreaking, heart rendering story. It's an edge of your seat thriller at the same time, but the most enduring theme of it is is God's children are not for sale. So true. God's so true. Are not for sale. Uh, folks, not only can you see it, but there's a, a barcode where if you like it, you can buy a ticket for someone else who cannot afford to see it. And they'll show it to you at the end of the movie. You can find it online. Sound of Freedom, an amazing yeah, I, I 100% agree. By the way, I've just started watching the – I've been watching the dailies on that. I'm not, not that much of a box office connoisseur, whatever the word would be. 
but you go to box office mojo mojo.com and it has all the dailies weeklies monthlies and my cracky it looks like uh it didn't happen at first but it looks like in the long run sound of freedom is going to pass up mission impossible that just came out it's either at or close to Indiana Jones. Sound of Freedom may overtake both Indiana Jones for a month. And for after it's seasoned, after another 60 days, I have a feeling it's going to win over Mission Impossible. Now, that's as far as U.S. I don't know how that all works in foreign countries and that sort of thing. You know, I don't know that much about it. But you go to boxofficemojo.com and you can see those. Go all those dailies, weeklies, and be encouraged about that. Now, Roger, I need It's grossed over $100 million so far, and it's on course to be the biggest blockbuster uh, of the season. I think it will pass uh, Disney's uh, creation of Indiana Jones. So good. Yeah. Indiana. million. Yeah. Yeah, so I do. I, I, my wife and I went went to it, and it's very, you know, and the thing about it is they are able to, in that film, which is genius, they're able to get across to you the most horrific concepts without showing you violence that you can't take your children to, or at least your teens to. Uh, there's not, they every, almost everything is implied rather than straight out said. Not, some of it is straight out said, but they don't show... Uh, something that will just horrify you. What you, you become horrified when you realize what it's communicating to you, as an yeah, adult. It's, you're not, it's not. It's not gory and it's not violent, but it yeah. is. But it. But it. But it is. Uh, it's electrifying. It really yeah. is. Electrifying. Yeah. Yeah. really need to see and that. Meeting, and, meeting Mel Gibson was a great experience. He is very approachable. He recognized me before I recognized him. Nice. Said, How do I know you? How do I know you? And I said, Well, let me give you a hint. 29 heavily armed FBI agents stormed my home at six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> CNN was there. And he said, Oh my Lord, you're Roger Stone. It was very edifying. That's amazing. I do have one little piece of uh, Mel Gibson. I doubt he knows who I am today or anything, but I don't know, but this is way back in the earth. So this has to be what, 10, 12 years ago, something like that. And, and they were about ready to release the passion of the Christ. And I knew someone, I don't even remember who that person is. I knew someone who was part of his team, the production staff or whatever. And I said, and I wrote up a prophetic word that went something like that this film is going to lead more people to the Lord then. And I don't remember all the words I said. And they got it to Mel Gibson. And then they wrote back to me and said, Mel Gibson read the word and said, uh, I don't know, it was something like that's quite a word. There's a little slightly different word, but I realized that he had actually seen the word and it was encouragement to him. So um, not that he would even know who I was anymore, but it was fun to be able to contribute that because I knew I heard from the Lord on that one. So uh, the sound of freedom is amazing. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, Roger, I want you to talk about your funds that you have. One of them is Stone Family Fund. Talk about that one and, and how sure. people can support you. Well, first of all, I want to thank everybody in the Elijah Streams family because you have helped my wife and I enormously. She is winning her battle with cancer, uh, but her ongoing treatments, which are not insured, uh, uh, mostly, um, I would say, uh, on a weekly basis, are quite expensive. Uh, we still are struggling with some censorship, although I have a new WABC radio show. Nice. In New York, and hopefully soon they'll make a decision to syndicate that. But in the meantime, folks who want to help us just with the basics can go to stonefamilyfund.com. 
Uh, and uh, we, we'll be very, very grateful. So many people in the Elijah Streams community have helped us through very difficult times. Nice. Uh, so I really want to express, um, you know, my thanks for that. Okay. Now, what about that other website that you have? Uh, StoneZone.com is where you can see uh, my daily show, uh, which is also at StoneZone.live if you want to watch it live every day at 5 o'clock Eastern, StoneZone.live. StoneZone.com is where you can see uh, the uh, the uh, uh, the archive of that show, plus everything that I'm writing, plus when I see important articles that I think are not getting enough attention, I put them up at StoneZone.com. So all of those things uh, are where you can get your fill of Roger Stone. Uh, and if you want to get uh, your very own Roger Stone, oh so nice! In fulfillment of the White Stone prophecy, nice. This is uh, a paperweight. It is a White Stone to which I have. Sign my name. I sold 15,000 of these for my legal defense fund. Really? Uh, and I must tell you, Steve, I wasn't selling any of them until I was mocked by Rolling Stone and New York Magazine and the Daily Beast. And 15,000 of these flew out the door. <laughs> well, thank you, Rolling Stone and, and Daily Beast. You're helping oh, pay the bills. Christ. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The yes, the Lord. Yes, the Lord. You get sure. those in the store at stonezone.com. That's so good. So good. Roger, thank you so much. This is really uh, intensely good today. I mean, it always is, but I really got a lot of up-to-date up uh, feedback and information. You are truly a campaign and uh, really political genius. I can just tell that. No wonder Trump has never, never, how you and Trump have just stayed together all these years. So very, very well, good. So, Steve, as I think I told you, uh, Donna Clement Petrusha yeah. gave me her father's Bible as a gift. Uh, it is probably, it's getting pretty dog-eared, to be honest with you, uh, but it is the most precious gift I have other than my wife, of course, uh, and my belief in the Lord. Uh, but uh, it, it is, uh, it's just really uplifting. And every time I talk to Robin Bullock, he points out another part of the Bible where he suggests I go. Last time it was Isaiah 45. And I went immediately and read it, and I was lifted up. I was cheered up. So in those moments when my spirit flags, in those moments when I'm discouraged, and it happens, yeah, uh, Robin has always been able to lift me up and always pep me up and prop me up and get me headed in the right direction. He's such an encourager. And, I mean, he's the real deal. You know, I've got to know him personally. We went on to Israel together. We sat next to each other on the bus across the aisles. You know, his wife and our, my, me with my wife. And we got to visit, and he is just as approachable as any friend or human being now not everyone can get to him because that just doesn't work like that but there's just he's just some sometimes the wrong people want to get to him so you have to have him protected a little bit but but he is very very approachable and extremely humble probably how would i say this almost more humble than any of my other guests all put together he's just humble you know and he you, you compliment him he'll say well brother that's the lord you know and he'll just he won't take yeah. the credit so yeah. i just really He's very, he's very low key, but he is, he's a great apostle for Christ. He really so, so absolutely. So Roger, thank you. God bless you. Our love to your wife and team. And uh, I, I really want to encourage my viewers to support Roger at the uh, Stone Family Fund or the other one. Uh, support him and send some money. You know, I take it as a personal favor if you do that for him. So yeah, there's no question that these peptides that she's taking have helped her enormously. They are somewhat expensive. So we, we're deeply grateful for your help. Very, very good. All right, everybody have a great day. Quick reminder. Oh, I guess I'm going to tell you this now because 
we're going to record it. Now, it doesn't always work out, but we're, we're doing a one-off show with Kat Kerr. Uh, it will be on tomorrow. Uh, we will record it this afternoon, the Lord willing. It's just going to be a short one, 30 minutes. I'm not going to be a Q&A as far as things about heaven, but we're going to interview Kat. And not so much interview her, but let her give a word of the Lord. And a lot of people said, well, why did you take her off? We didn't take her off. She went on a sabbatical that she wanted and needed. And and so we're bringing her back a little here and there. And you're going to enjoy it. So we'll, we'll tape it this afternoon, and you'll see it in the morning. So have a great day, everybody. See you later, Roger. God bless you. Thank you, Steve. God bless you. Love you. Bye-bye. Over 7 million people in Uganda lack access to safe, clean water. But you are changing that statistic by providing access to clean water but there is still a need. There are still many who don't have access to clean water. Would you continue to help bring clean water to the beautiful people of Uganda? Donate today online at ElijahStreams.com. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.